Welcome back to Talking True Cases. I'm Mark Williams-Thomas. This week's podcast, will be discussing the case of Mark Osborne, jailed for murder. But is he guilty for that conviction or is it a miscarriage of justice? But before we discuss that, there's two cases that I want to do a roundup on. Those two cases are the biggest cases of the week. Let me start with Nicola Bully. Nicola's body was found on February the 19th, just over a mile from where she went missing. And Nicola, as we can see there, very sadly, still remains in the public eye. And the reason being is that a week ago, Dr. Richard Shepard, a forensic pathologist, told the media that he believed that specialist divers who were back now at the River Wire were looking for something that was connecting to her, a missing object or something similar to that. Lancashire Police have now responded in relation to that. And they have said that police divers acting under the instructions of Her Majesty's coroner, His Majesty's coroner, I should say, has been asked to go back to look at that scene. They've not been tasked to perform any further searches within the river or along the banks to locate any articles. The activity is to assist with the coronial process. So that's very interesting. But why has that given rise to further information and further speculation amongst the public? Well, quite simply, because of an interesting video that has now circulated. I'm going to play this video and you have a watch. This is a video by a YouTuber, uh, Solaris, and she puts it out there that she was walking the riverbank and she saw divers in the water. As you can see, what she said there is that she saw a diver on their back just below the weir, traveling downstream. Let's just have a little watch of that. There's the, there's the weir. And in order for Nicola to end up where she was, she would have to have gone over that weir. Where they are now, there is a almost 90 degree bend, which takes them, which would have taken Nicola around the corner and under a bridge. And of course, what they're looking at is potentially the flow of the water around the corner in terms of where Nicola's body would ended up, have to have ended up and gone round the bend. Now, there's been there's been criticism around Lancashire Police and Lancashire Police uh, have responded, of course, as a result of the forensic pathologist putting out his comment that there was an item they were searching for. Lancashire Police have very clearly said that's not true. But it's interesting because I've always said that Nicola could not have gone into the water at the bench where they say she did. And that's because in order for Nicola to have travelled a mile downstream to where her body was eventually recovered, she would have to have negotiated plants in the water. There's a tree in one area, gone over the weir, round two bends, over stones, which are only partially submerged. That's very interesting. Is that possible? Lancashire Police faced heavy criticism for the way in which it handled a lot of the case, and much of it justified, especially the revealing of highly personal details about Nicola, including her struggle with alcohol. But the latest developments does raise significant questions, such as why are these tests now being carried out, particularly bearing in mind that the flow of the water now will be very different to what it was back in February. So what has taken place? What we do know, of course, is that Nicola's body was found one mile downstream. But the question for the coroner is how? And it's clear that many questions about this case still remain unanswered, even to the coroner, 
whose job it is to try to piece together the last moments before Nicola's tragic death. An inquest into Nicola Bully's death is due to be heard on the 26th of June. The next case I want to cover is that of Andrew Tate, a misogynistic social media influencer and potentially now in a lot more trouble. He's currently under house arrest in his compound in Bucharest in Romania and under constant police surveillance. He's a big target for them. And whilst he remains at their house arrest, he's also under investigation accused of sex trafficking. But he's now been accused of intimidating witnesses and plotting to flee to Dubai, along with an allegation of one of his co-accused, a former police officer, Luna Rada, who's alleged to have accessed classified police computers in order to gain information that might give them an edge to the case. So whatever the next stages are in this ongoing investigation, it's clear that Andrew Tate and his brother have annoyed the judges considerably. Now, that's never a good thing to do because eventually you're going to appear before them and your fate is in their hands. Andrew Tate has created a huge amount of media publicity and interest. He is a man who I think has a very strong misogynistic views. He has collected a following, a following overwhelmingly of young men, young men who are interested and in a way follow him because of his notoriety and because of his money. This is a man who has made huge amounts, millions and millions and millions out of spurting his misogynistic views and, of course, having an audience to which to do that. Young men who are easily influenced and obviously he is the influencer. He has been banned from many of those social media platforms and in relation to misogyny and hate speech. You only need to watch some of his previous videos and very quickly you get a taste of where he's coming from. He has repeatedly claimed that the Romanian prosecutors have no evidence and that their alleged case against him is a political conspiracy designed to silence him. Well, that is his account. The case still has a long way to go and we'll continue to follow it on this channel. So back to today. Well, my story today is an interesting one and it may well divide you. You may well start by believing one thing and perhaps by the end of it, change your mind. At the moment, I sit entirely on the fence. It's important to be impartial, to listen to the evidence and hear what is being said. But by the end of it, I wonder if my mind is made up one way or the other. So let me give you the background. Mark Osborne was described in the media as an a drug baron who had a cocaine dealer murdered in front of his own four-year-old son. So the, the claim is, and this is why Osborne is in jail, that from jail he organised the hit of another individual in front of his four-year-old son. And the reason that that was done was because he organized it from jail in a smuggled-in phone in order to, to murder the individual, Mark Tredenick. So Osborne is in jail at the time of the murder for wounding. Uh, and as a result of that, he is not physically committing the murder himself. Tredenick was shot nine times when he was ambushed in a country lane in Romford in Essex. Mark Osborne, his brother Tony, who helped organise the hit, and the killer, 
Wayne Collins, who pulled the trigger, were all jailed for murder and given life sentences. And in relation to the individuals who weren't there at the scene, joint enterprise. But is he guilty? I'm joined now by two people who feel that he isn't. Very, very reciprocity, <laughs> very strongly feel that he is not guilty. So, Julie Major, a family friend of Mark Osborne, has worked on the case for two years and claims she is the only one who knows it that well. And Jan Cunliffe, one of the founders of Joint Enterprise Not Guilty by Association, or Jenga. Well, good afternoon to both of you. Let me put the questions to you, the same questions to both of you. Let's start, first of all, with, um, with you, Julie. Julie, why do you say that Mark Osborne is not guilty? Because all the evidence, the small amount of evidence there is, is totally... Um, totally uh, goes against what they're saying. You know, you, you mentioned nine bullets, only six cartridges were found at the scene. The um, forensic pathology said that in his um, opinion, after examining shrapnel from the victim and the murder scene, that only six shots were fired. The ambulance crew said only six shots. The girlfriend at the scene said six shots. And yet they relied heavily in court on nine. And the, even the judge in his summing up said there was nine track wounds. Well, I've been investigating as well and reading um, pathologies, uh, journals and things like that to find out. And they say that track wounds are not a good indication of how many bullets were used. They are, in fact, normally to find a position in another body. And when there's multiple shots, track wounds are not a good indication of anything because obviously they ricochet. So it said it can be very inaccurate. So the, the, the 10 is totally disputed. Also, um, the, the witness against Mark, the only witness against Mark was a cellmate. Um, he had 13 aliases, nine different dates of birth. He was facing deportation. He got a letter nine days before he went to the police officer regarding this, threatening to deport him. He changed his story three times. He said that he, first he said he heard Mark and his brother on the telephone when phone records on both the illegal phone and the legal phone disproved this. That was dropped both by the witness and the police. He then said it was him that spoke to the, uh, the, the gunman, Wayne Collins. He then changed it again and he said he heard that he heard the gunman call Mark and say, I stuck 10 in him. Well, as I say, I've got evidence and it's legal evidence to actually disprove any any kind of 10 shots at all. So that, you know, and I believe that the prosecution had the same evidence I've got in their hands. Um, and I believe they misled the courtroom with the, the nine to deliberately compound uh, the main witnesses evidence, because other than that, there's not a lot on Mark. They, it's, it's, that that's what they used to say. Even the judge, that's what, when he did his summing up, he said there was nine track wounds and one live. So therefore, whether you doubt Harry, you know, uh, main witnesses' evidence, the fact that he knew there was ten had some reliability. Well, it doesn't because there wasn't ten. There's okay, no evidence you, whatsoever that there's ten. Let me hold it there, Julie. Jan, let me bring you in. Just just give me a snapshot. Why do you think Mark Osborne is not guilty? I think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the case very well. But first of all, if he was already in prison at the time, 
he's not the gunman. He's not. He's not the actual murderer. So we, we've got you've got to take that into account. Then how did how did the police then decide that he was um, part of this joint enterprise? And that that's where the guilt by association comes in. That that's where they have to sort of build a case that these are sort of gangland killers, if you like, um, that they're all associated, that they've planned it together. So that we have a lot of cases where, <clears throat> where where people have already been in prison, but yet they've been convicted of murder and, and they use this 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 mobile phone um, evidence, but they don't have um, like a text message or anything like that or, a, or a, a voice recording of someone saying, yes, I want you to kill this person at this particular time. So they don't have any of that. Um, so... When Julie says about someone in the set, you know, uh, jailhouse snitch, if you like, um, can a person who's already in prison, um, who's obviously going to gain from um, telling the police that they heard Mark say these things, I mean, is that person reliable? Because in other instances of joint enterprises, we've had we've had someone in, in prison who said the opposite. Um, and wanted to help someone um, to main who's maintaining innocence to get out of prison. And if you take that to the CCRC or the Court of Appeal, the first thing the judges would say, well, don't rely on their evidence because they can't be trusted. Uh, but yet, when you've got someone who's trying to call someone guilty, apparently they're the very upstanding members of the community who can be trusted. Mm. So, you know, there's never any balance in these things. Um, can we believe a man who's overheard a phone call, but then the phone call he's overheard is completely doesn't actually match the evidence, like Julie says? Um, okay, let's hold it there, you know, Jan. I just want to ask you before we just move deeper into Mark Osborne's case. Just tell me about uh, Jenga. Why did you create that? Well, Jenga was created because lots of people found that their loved ones. Um, were being convicted of very, very serious offences like murder and the use of um, evidence of possible foresight, not fingerprints or blood spatter or anything like that. So the law has been... We, 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 the fight took us to the Supreme Court in, in which the judges there said that joint enterprise had been misinterpreted as far back as 1984. So we've got lots of people in prison who have been convicted of murder under the wrong interpretation of the law. Now, Mark Osborne will fall into that category. And now, right. I don't know the case very well, but I would imagine um, that the prosecutor would have used a lot of inferences and, you know, links to, to the killers about their association and also the possibility of foresight, that if Mark had had a conversation with his brother um, on a phone, he should have, you know, the, the conversation may have been about, you know, your brothers, you tell each other everything. Um, there might have been um, a possibility that he could have foreseen what these other guys were going to do. Uh, now, that isn't that isn't intention. Um, mm. And there are a lot of people in prison right now because they may or possibly foresaw what someone else might have done. Uh, and it's kind of giving people who are not guilty of murder um forcing intention to murder on them now the, so, the law was changed in two, in 2016 uh, uh, because to, to to convict people of murder on, under that kind of evidence was deemed as being wrong um and not strong enough to, to to give someone a life sentence so the campaign took us down into that direction um and what we want now is that 
people are given the 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 possibility, given the chance to actually have an appeal. Um, oh, and why did you? They've been convicted under the wrong interpretation of the law, and that's what? not a big ask. Why did you set up Jenga? You got a direct connection to someone who was convicted of joint enterprise? Absolutely. Well, back in 2007, my two children, were, they were age 15 at the time. They were both charged with murder. Um, and it became very clear to me in the police station that the police knew who had delivered. It was a, it was a single blow that killed the victim. And it was, it was unfortunate. But it was very clear in the police station that it was neither of my two children. Uh, in fact, it was so clear that um, the boy that delivered the fatal blow confessed to his mother, who then told the police. So we always knew who had delivered that kick and who had killed the victim. Well, you, your boys there, were they, when it happened? Well, the, the prosecution claimed that both my children were there, but it was only when we went through the trial process um, that, my, that my youngest of the two 15-year-olds, the evidence came out that he was actually in another place at the time. Now, that's what he'd always said in the police station, but no one would actually take any notice of what he said. So one of your sons was there and the other one wasn't? The other one didn't know whether he was there or not because my other 15-year-old was actually blind at the time. Now, his only evidence that he could give was that he came to the scene at the end of it and he was approached by people. He heard people ask, can we call an ambulance? What has happened? And he walked to the top of the street found the police and said there is a man down the road he needs an ambulance make sure it comes this side not the other side because there was a subway that he couldn't get through so he helped and by helping them he was then charged with murder both of them charged with murder now my the son one of my sons was convicted of murder and it was during the trial process that the the, the possibility of foresight kept being played out over and over again not that my son kicked anyone not that he was involved in a fight or any. Is this your blind son or the other son? Oh, I think we've lost you. <laughs> okay, well, we're, let's come back to um, to that in a minute. Uh, are you back? Sorry, something very wrong. Don't worry, don't worry. Well, let's. So, so I'm just going to say because I, I do want to get back to to Mark Osborne, but just so your son that was convicted is that the blind one or the other one? That's the blind one. And obviously, when you're when you're a blind person, you're the worst person in the world to give evidence. Yeah, uh, because you cannot give evidence about what you can't see. And I've always argued that you cannot foresee the actions, what the consequences of the actions of others are when you cannot see what their actions are in the first place. And, and what was the outcome? Where is your son? Where are your sons now? My son, my son served a full sentence and he's now been released, but he's still maintaining innocence and he will do until, you know, until we get him acquitted. And the fight continues. Uh, okay. And, and the, the secondary fight that comes with this is that, you know, if secondary parties are, you know, sometimes people are guilty of a crime at the scene when someone dies. And if that's violent disorder or a fray or even in some cases where it's a drug deal gone wrong, there are crimes that people commit and, and they can be charged and convicted of that. They don't have to do the, 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 the they don't have to be convicted of the crime that the principal did, you know, to, to, to make others take the blame for the yeah. actions of others is wrong, is wrong. <laughs> stay, stay with us. So let me come back to, um, to Mark Osborne. So, Julie, just let's go back to some of the basics and the starting of this. So, yeah. Mark is in jail for what? Initially, he's in jail. Why uh, is he was, in jail? Uh, it was a uh, section twenty without intent, 
Um, he had a row with some doormen in a club. Um, they started on him. It was accepted in court that he didn't instigate the crime. And it was ex- accepted, you know, that it was without intent what happened afterwards. So um, how long did he get in jail? Yeah. Three was years. That how many? So, Three. Okay. And Three so while years. he's in jail... Whilst he's in jail, the allegation is is that he had a smuggled in phone and used that to order the murder of Mark Trednick. Is that correct? That is. I mean, the, the, what I can say there is what it is. There was the night before the murder. Mark yeah. made one seven-minute telephone call, one seven-minute call. That was it. There's no other calls between him and his codees for the month before the murder. So one seven-minute call the night before the murder. Um, he did. He was actually speaking to his friends in the pub. He was passed around the pub. But according to the prosecution, in that seven minutes, he arranged the murder of Mark Trudinic. However, the two co-defendants had been in touch with each other for the last couple of weeks, and they'd actually tried to get the co-defendant there the day before there is the girlfriend um, has made a statement saying they tried to get him there the day before. The cell mask sign, the cell mask signals show them at the murder scene the day before and calling Mark Trudinic and asking him to meet them. Had Mark Trudinic gone there the night before and it had taken place the night before, Mark could have had no knowledge, no anything, because he had no contact with his codes whatsoever. You know, something people need to understand something. Though Mark and Tony are brothers. They grew up separately. Mark grew up with his mum. Tony grew up with his dad. They led separate lives. They had different social circles. They everything. I mean, they accused Mark of being a drug dealer with his brother Tony. Okay, let me let me just stay let me just stay with a chronology because I think it'll make it much okay. easier for, for everyone to to follow what's going on. So, in relation sure. to that phone call that happened the night before, that was a phone call that was made on a um, smuggled in phone. Is that right, or was it on the phone yes. from the prison? Correct. Okay, so there's a smuggling no, phone. So he had a smuggling phone, and he phoned. Who did he phone that night? Tony he phoned Wayne. Wayne Collins. Wayne. Okay. So he phoned he Wayne that night. Okay, so he phoned yes. Wayne that night, and it's the following day that Mark Trednick is shot. <clears throat> yes. And he's yes. shot. Uh, it says uh, the reports, obviously, and what came out in court, that he was shot nine times. What did the pathology say? The pathology, as I say, said that the the the, the experts there was umpteen track like there was quite a lot of wounds, obviously, because you know yourself, bullets ricochet. There was nine track wounds, which they tried okay. to say indicated the, the nine. But the, the gun, ex, the person ex, examined the ballistics, etc. cetera, um, Nathaniel Carey, his name was, he actually stated that after examining the ballistics from the victim and the, the cartridges, he believed six shots were fired and one okay. There's a slight discrepancy between six, whether it was six or nine shots that were fired. Yes. And uh, and so Wayne Collins, how did Wayne Collins end up being arrested? Do they recover the gun? Does he admit to it? No, they never recovered the gun. They never they never recovered the gun. They never um, he never admitted to it. Um, he was arrested, I think. Um, 
I'm not quite sure how he was aware of this because I'm only dealing with Mark. I'm only fighting for Mark. I'm not fighting from, from, for Tony and Wayne. So I'm not quite sure. But the, it came up. His name came up. He was arrested and then Tony was arrested. Okay. Um, and do either Tony <laughs> or Wayne, have either Tony or Wayne given any evidence and said that Mark was part of it? No, never. And we we do have some new information from one of them that I can't go into at the moment. It's with the CCRC that states Mark has nothing to do with it whatsoever. He had no knowledge of it um, because he didn't. If you look at all the phone evidence, there is no connection between Mark and Tony or Mark and Wayne apart from that one seven-minute call the night before. Okay. That is it. Well, the one, the... And as I say, they'd already tried to get him there earlier that day. If they'd got the victim there earlier that day, we can only have a strong supposition. And that how, do you know, how do you know, given that Tony and Wayne are not not talking, how do you know that there was an attempt to try and shoot him earlier on in the day? I don't know if there was an attempt to shoot him. There was an attempt to bring him to the scene. Um, the cell mask, this, the, the cell mask show it, the call log show it, the call log show and the show Mark and Wayne at the murder scene the day before. Their call log, first Tony is calling Wayne several times. Wayne is somewhere else. He then joins Tony at the murder scene. They then call Mark Trudinick, which is also backed up by a statement from Mark Trudinick's girlfriend that said they right. called him and asked him to go that night. And he was busy, so they arranged it for the next day. So they arranged it for the next day before Mark had even phoned okay. Wayne. So cell, so cell, cell site puts Wayne at the scene of the crime, does it? Yes, and Tony, okay. yes. Uh, and Tony was there as well, so they were both there, were they? And Wayne pulled the trigger. Is that the view? Yes, I don't think Tony, Tony wasn't on the, on the actual scene of the shooting. I believe he was you know, somewhere, but um, in the area, but um, Wayne. What can, yeah. So what connects Mark Osborne to both of them is a phone call that happened the night before. And on that basis, yes. is, is that the strength of the evidence against him? Seems very weak. Is that the strength um, of the evidence against him? But honestly, I can give you the paperwork to read, Mark. The only evidence against him, as I say, is the cellmate saying what I told you he said. Hmm. The call, and that's it. The, the prosecution actually took six months to charge Mark. They kept refusing. And then on the final day before they did charge him, the police took the main cell witness and they debriefed him. We've never been disclosed what that debriefing was. When in the next day when they interviewed the cell witness, he, they said to him, is Mark Osborne to do with this? And he said, yes. And they said, how do you know that? And he said, because he had to be, because he had to put Tony and Wayne in touch with each other. Again, call logs prove that Wayne and Tony got in touch with each other and Mark had no contact with him. So Mark did not instigate that contact. There is no other evidence. So Tony Mark. and Wayne were already in contact with each other anyway. Yeah. Yes. And, and they say that Tony... They they said that Tony and Mark dealt drugs together and it was a drug debt. And yet police, I have documentation that says police evidence, police intelligence could find no evidence of Mark dealing drugs with Tony. There was another man named as Tony's partner in the trial. And Tony also had businesses, houses, cars. Mark was sleeping on a set and had five pound in the bank. Nothing, okay. there is nothing to indicate Mark's guilt in this at all. 
Okay. So, I mean, it, it throws up layers of questions, but let me just keep asking you a few more. So in relation oh, to yeah. the uh, the crime scene, you talk in terms of, mm -hmm. of one expert saying six bullets, another saying nine. Presumably they recovered some of the lugs and some of the casings at the scene. What did that tell them? There were six casings, empty cases found, and right. one live. So, again, six and, and one live. Okay, so one live that had been ejected out of the gun. Okay, so that, that's seven. Yes. Okay, all right. So, and in terms of the communication that happened between them all on the night before, you say you've got this new piece of information that's gone to the CCRC, uh, and it may well have come mm. from either Tony or Wayne, but, but why, why now? Why wasn't that information given years ago? Well, you have to understand something. They was very young at the time. You know, Tony was young. He just he had a young son. Um, Wayne Wayne is just Wayne. Um, and Wayne Tony was very scared. What Tony knew he was looking at Mark and Tony couldn't. You have to understand the other two couldn't clear Mark without admitting their guilt because if they'd said Mark was nothing to do with this, it was us. They would have had to admit their guilt, and they was fighting for their lives. Okay, you know, so so, um, was... so one of them now in jail is is basically uh, has basically admitted that it did take place and that Mark wasn't responsible. Yes, and I have I, I have a recording of that conversation as well as a, as we also have a, a statement, an official right. statement. So that's gone to the CCRC on the basis that either Tony or Wayne are now admitting to the crime and saying that Mark had nothing to do with it. Yes, and also, as I say, I've gone to disputing the 10, the 10 because obviously all evidence points to six. Um, another, another thing that, you well, know... Why, tell, me why that's, why, tell me why that is relevant because of the cell, the alleged, alleged cell confession evidence. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And yes, that the cell bullets were used to... Yeah, that self-confession evidence. Used to... yeah, sorry, go on. No, sorry, we keep talking. So, so that self-confession evidence yeah. is that the individual says that Mark Osborne told him that it was ten rounds rather than the six or nine that it actually was. Yes, but they used they used the ten. They they you to me they adapted what was there to compound their cellmates reliability because he was known as unreliable he had 13 aliases and nine different dates of birth um and he you know he was a known liar and they used it to, and the only thing they used was nine track wounds track wounds are not an indication of how many bullets were fired i have read a million articles written by pathologists professional you know uh, pathology professors um, and things, and I cannot find not one article that states track wounds are a good indication. What was the contact with Tony and Wayne with Mark Osborne after the murder? What contact did they have with him after the murder? <clears throat> so Mark had none with Tony. Um, yeah. Wayne, I think he had contacts with, um, because they 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 was they was they was acquaintances outside of of jail. You know, there was. They were friends they, outside of jail. And those telephone calls that they had were on the, um, the, the phone that was smuggled in. Is that right? It, uh, yes. 
the, you know, the, the cell witness has never once said he heard Mark arrange it. And being two centimetres away, he would have heard Mark arrange it. He has never stated that. He is, and, and we do have we do have people that said the night he, you know, he rung Wayne Collins the night before the murder. He was passed around a pub. Those people that were in the pub can come forward and say he spoke to them in the pub, but we have no proof. But how would would Mark know how many bullets had been fired unless he was in contact with either Tony or Wayne after the shooting in which it was said? Because the cellmate said, he didn't say Mark said it, he said the cellmate got a phone call off of Wayne Collins and Wayne Collins said, I stuck 10 in him. So Wayne phoned the cellmate, not Mark, phoned Mark's cellmate. No, he phoned. No, he phoned. Originally, the, the cellmate said he spoke to Wayne. Then he changed it and said Wayne called Mark and he heard the conversation and he heard Wayne say to Mark, I stuck 10 in him. Okay. All right. And so that's his. And then what is the other evidence that the cell confession is based on? But that's it. The, the only other thing is he said that Mark would have had to put Tony and Wayne in touch with each other. And obviously, as and I say, call off proved that's not the case. Against, the strength of the evidence against Mark Osborne is a, commu- a telephone call that happened the night before and a cell yes. confession from an individual who says that he overheard Wayne saying to Mark that 10 shots were fired. Yes. What other evidence is there? The only other evidence is some at the scene they, the, the, the gunman was supposed to have said, that's for you, Mark, you're not so clever now. There's two things wrong with that. One, the victim's name was Mark. So that could have easily have been, that's for you, Mark, you're not so clever now. Two, Mark was not known as Mark on the street. I'm the only one that calls Mark, Mark. Mark's nickname has always been Oz. He's always a friend's call him Ozzy, Oz. He's never, ever been called Mark on the street, never. So So they wouldn't have said that's for you, Mark. So who heard that at the scene? So was there, because Mark... Uh, was shot and, and uh, killed. You know. So who heard that? Yes. Well, he's, the girlfriend made a statement. Her first statement said all she heard was, that's for you, Mark, or that's from Mark. Right. She then, and then the second statement, she added on, that's from Mark, you're not so clever now. So mm-hmm. she said, but you have to bear in mind, she was in the car with her four-year-old son with the door shut. She, I don't like saying this really, but she was also on drugs, heavily on drugs. Both her and, and Mark was Stradinic. So she could have got that wrong. Um, and also during the trial, she had to get her police liaison officer changed because evidently he asked to take her away for the weekend. So there's a lot of, there's a lot, and that, that's, there's, that's documented. That's not me making that up or telling you. So I don't state anything that I cannot provide paperwork for. Anything I talk about, I make sure there's paperwork to back it up, otherwise I won't speak and Mark, about it. And let's discuss Mark Osborne as an individual. There's quite a lot of, of media coverage to say that he was a drug baron, he had he was owed money, and in fact, that was one of the arguments or one of the reasons that he was involved with killing Mark Tredenick is because Mark owed him money. Was that true? No. I mean, Mark had £5 in the bank. He was sleeping on his dead sofa. You know, Tony had the houses, the cars, the businesses, you know, the lifestyle. Mark had nothing, absolutely nothing. Mark, the police intelligence said there was no evidence of Mark dealing drugs. 
You know, Mark, Mark has only ever had prior two convictions to before he went to prison, and that was for fighting with Dorman. And he lost his friend, um, a, a very, very, very close friend, more like a brother than Tony ever was. He went on a bit of a wild one. The Dorman didn't like him. He was a typical Larry 23-year-old before he went to jail, 22, 23. You know, have a few drinks, get a little bit Larry. The Dorman at back then was terrible. You know, I got manhandled by the Dorman back then. And... That's, that is it. That's as far as Mark goes. Mark is a very, very popular man. Everybody likes Mark. Everybody, you may, you go to, you go and you speak about Mark, Ozzy, as they know him, they will tell you, what a, you know, a diamond man. He's a lovely man. He's got a heart of gold. This is actually destroying him, what's going on. Mm. This is, he's, got, he's got anxiety. He's got depression. He said he feels like he's been kidnapped and shut in a box. And he, he has a daily battle to keep going. Can I, can I just, can I just... Yeah, do, do come in, come in. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, when Julie says, I don't say anything that I can't prov provide evidence of and the paperwork, the, the, big, the big thing about these trials is prosecutors will say something, but they will not provide the evidence or the proof. Uh, and we've got, we've got to accept that in a joint enterprise case, the level of evidence and the burden of proof is almost non-existent for the prosecutor, you, when you are charged with mm. joint enterprise, you are guilty until you prove yourself innocent. It's completely flipped. The, uh, any understanding of the justice system now? Uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I just will say something as well. The jury took a lot longer to decide on Mark than they did on anybody else. It took quite a bit longer. They couldn't make their mind up. They asked the judge to recap the evidence against Mark, and Mark's legal team was out of the courtroom at the time, and was asked. To, the judge was asked to postpone it, and he went ahead anyway and summed up, and he gave quite a biased view um, when he summed it up. Um, and you know, Mark wasn't was Mark weren't even allowed to talk in the trial because the other two went cutthroat. So Mark was advised not that, to even stand up and say anything. That happens in a joint enterprise cases when it looks like things are not looking too good. They allow a cutthroat evidence. Um, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would tell anyone if if they in the local area if they know of a multi-handed case to sit through the trial process. They will be appalled at the low level of evidence that goes on. Our yes. person is deemed of bad character in order to convince the jury that they're guilty of the crime yes. that they're being prosecuted. They they go around the world to 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 throw mud at your character rather than prove categorically yes. that you have committed this crime. So, I mean, as a campaign, we call joint enterprise a lazy law. It's a very lazy law that allows the police to swoop up lots of people. It allows the courts to sort of convict multiple people for the same charge, leaving them... I mean, some of the people that, we come, that come to us will say, there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever. Um, and you might think that is ludicrous to put someone in prison when there is no evidence. But if you attach the phrase joint enterprise yeah. to the conviction... It's it. Yeah. You, it's easy to believe it. It really is easy to believe. Jan, it. how many yeah. how many cases of joint enterprise is your you know, organisation currently looking at? Currently, we've got um, 
over 1,400 men, women and children who have come to us. And I think that's just the tip of that tip of the iceberg i mean we've recently run a won a legal battle with the crown prosecution service because we want to know the age the ethnicity uh, the gender and whether people have disabilities of the target area the people they target because we've noticed that lots of people with autism very more people of color because you can you can call yeah. them gang members so if you're a person of color and you live in an inner city and a crime happens They'll swoop up 10 of you and say that you're gang members, but they will not prove categorically or show any evidence mm. that you are a gang member other than the fact that you might all like the same type of music or you might have once gone to school yeah. together. It's a, they, it's a friendship circle, but a prosecutor will call it a gang. Uh, and, and juries are being yeah. conv convinced that people are criminally associated, but they're not being convinced of the actual crime that each one's committed. Mm. And I don't think jury members actually realise that when you say someone is guilty, that they are getting a life sentence and they are getting a life sentence for a crime they didn't commit and they know they didn't commit it because the evidence doesn't point to them committing it, but they'll get the same, if not longer, than the perpetrator. And we're talking, and the youngest person we support is 13 years old. A 13-year-old getting a life sentence when the evidence points that he didn't commit any crime whatsoever, didn't even commit any violence, but because someone else stabbed someone, he has now got a 99-year life license. So his life has ended. Uh, and, and, mm. and it's becoming a more popular tool to use. Because now, joint it, it, joint it enterprise. Means, it means the police and the prosecution don't have to do any work. Joint joint enterprise for a long time has concerned me. I mean, I think there are some people, obviously, who are at the scene and and uh, you know have knowledge or could have done something about it, and and they're rightfully convicted. But I think joint enterprise has been used far too loosely to convict mm. people uh, in in a lot of cases. Let me just come back to Mark Osborne. So, the connection between Mark Osborne and Mark Tredenick is what? How did they know each other, or did they not? Yeah, they was friends. They was friends. They was, they uh, Mark had known, they'd, yeah, they'd known each other a long time. They was friends. Um, Mark, I actually visited Mark a few times in prison. They was friends. Even the girlfriend said at the trial that they was friends. Now and again, they'd insult each other and have a little bit of a, a rare, but they was basically friends. So were they friends at the time of the shooting? Um, yes, there was no, there was no, there was no bad feeling towards them that, that um, you know, that, that anyone is aware of. I think they used a text. Mark had sent um, a letter or a text, uh, a letter in December. The, the December before Mark Trudeau was killed in the June. Mark sent him a letter in the December, saying um, it upset him. I don't know. He was supposed to drop something off to someone, and he was like you'll be crying on the floor. So they use that as evidence. It arranged to kill him, you know, um, but that's how they so there was, with so each there other. Was some evidence, there was evidence of perhaps some kind of, of disagreement between them in, in the months prior. There was, no, they're, they're, because they was always like that. They've been like that for years. Um, they, they'd, after that letter, they'd, you know, spoken to each other and talked to each yeah. other. And so, and I mean, the girlfriend said there was no bad feeling. Had Trednick been to visit Osborne in jail after that? Yes. In December? After December, um, yes. before I think, June. I think so. I, I think so, but not like in the recent months before, because they, they didn't, you know, not many, not many people 
go up the prison much. You know, it cost a fortune to get up there. It's a long way away. But they were still in contact by telephone. And as I say, Mark Trudinik's girlfriend said in court, as far as she was aware, there was no animosity between Mark, the two Marks. They were friends. The prosecution's, the prosecution's position as to why Mark Trudinik was killed, the reasons for that is what? They, they, said, they, they said that there was a drug step. Uh, with, they liked to lump Mark and his brothers together and call them the Osbornes. They was never known as the Osbornes. They was totally two separate people. They was less separate. They was more separate people than friends are, if you like. They even though they was brothers, they just was not the same. They're not. So the who same was that people. drug totally different. To? So Mark Trednick, in your words, set you. Well, said evidently, to, user. Yeah, evidently. The prosecution said between Mark and Tony, but they also could find no evidence between Mark and Tony dealing drugs together, and they didn't deal, deal drugs together. They, there was there was a prior shooting six months before. Um, someone had had a frightener, and there was a there was a witness that came to court originally and said that he had dealt for Tony, not Mark, dealt for Tony, and that he'd been fired at. Interestingly enough, with the same gun, and. Um, and then he backed out of his story and became a hostile witness. But he said that he'd been fired at and he worked for Tony. This is all linked to Tony. Sorry, this just is so, to Tony is, so there was a story that came out prior to that, that Tony had been shot at by somebody. No. Not Tony. Some bloke that worked for him. Some bloke some that worked, worked for him. Tony had been shot at. Yeah. And the yeah, suggestion that they were as a frightener, and the suggestion, what, that those two are connected? No, only Tony. Tony's a link. Only Tony was connected. Okay, yes, Tony not Mark. Was... The, so the, 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 the witness never ever said Mark. He said Tony only. Okay. So Tony you, say Mark, drug. you say Mark Osborne doesn't do drugs in any way at all. Does Tony Osborne do drugs? I don't I don't think Tony does drugs. Um, um, I think Tony sold Drugs. I don't think so he was a dealer. He wasn't a user, but he drugs. was a dealer. So Tony, Tony Osborne yes. was a dealer of drugs. Yes, Mark. Mark, when he went to jail, dabbled slightly in in taking them, as all prisoners, a lot of prisoners do. You know, it happens. It gets you through your time. So I'm not saying, to, but you know, Mark was never arrested with drugs or anything. Um, Mark, as I say, there was no intelligence to say Mark dealt drugs, where there was plenty of evidence to to say Tony did. Okay, so let's bring this to a conclusion so at the present moment in time your position is is that you've made an application to the ccrc in relation to uh, an appeal or requesting an appeal is that right yeah when did yes. that go in that went in well that originally i originally applied to them last february february right. um and they came back and refused us but what they did was muddled my application up with his mum, who is also called Julie, and they refused me on the grand steward range, which, uh, uh, raised, which wasn't legal grounds. Um, and they said I couldn't respond. So I raised a complaint and went in the back door. I raised a complaint about the, their handling of the situation. Um, and I again raised the points that my concerns was with Mark. And they agreed to give me a new casework, a totally new one, and restart the case. That started last May. Okay. Last and May. So, okay. And so you're waiting now to hear from them in relation to whether or not they're going to accept it, yes? Yes. 
I mean, I've given them new evidence. Yeah. I've given them new new evidence, and I've also pulled... Yeah. No, sorry, go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, so I've given new evidence. There's more than I've told you about. There's other statements and other recordings that I've got from certain people that I can't mention at the moment. Um, And I also have pulled apart the evidence that was supposedly the very flimsy evidence there was supposedly against Mark. So I believe I've given them enough to to, to do a referral. Um, I'm hoping, but then, you know, John Crilly, John Crilly, the only joint enterprise man to ever get out since the Jogi law change, actually went to the CCRC three times and they told him he didn't have a chance in hell. Luckily, John Crilly realised he hadn't had an appeal because he was too drugged up when he'd gone to jail and he had an appeal and got out on that appeal. And yet, he'd been told by the CCRC three times he didn't have a hope in hell. Yeah. So it's concerning. You know, the statistics of the CCRC are at the moment stand over 25 years, 29,000 applications, only 800 have been referred to the appeal court in yeah. 25 years. Yeah, it's very, it's very poor. And I mean, they have got some slightly better in terms of their uh, viewing. Um, cases and dealing with cases but there's a huge backlog and uh, and i'm not sure necessarily they're the right people uh to to undertake it um they're too bound by by constraints from the government they're not free they're not an independent body like they're supposed to be they have to tick certain boxes and if they can't tick one box yeah. You know, I spoke to I, the, 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 the CCRC man I, I, I work with now. He's very good. He liaises with me. And I said to him, you know, there's like, there's the evidence is hard to it's hard to prove Mark's innocence because he wasn't at the scene and there's such slim evidence against him. It's hard mm. to unpick. And he said, unfortunately, it's like that in a lot of joint enterprise cases. Mm. So he acknowledges that. Um, and but you can't keep a man in jail because of that. You know, I, Mark, I would like I'd like you to read the papers on Mark. I no, I'd certainly, I'd certainly be interested. And in, you know, I think probably the first thing to do is let me see see the CCRC submission and um, and see what's in that. I think that would be very interesting. And you know, you make a good argument. I think there's some very interesting elements that have come out of this conversation. Um, of course, I'm only hearing your side. I, I haven't seen what the Crown believes the strength of their evidence was. I've obviously read about it, and you know that's what's been presented in court. It'd be interesting to see you know, where that supporting evidence, you know, circumstantial evidence. Can I say, just say, to you, yeah? Can I just say to you, just sorry, just a moment. Nothing. There was another person involved in this crime, um, and he was supposed to be the getaway driver, and he was actually at the scene when the murder took place, and the jury found him not guilty, and Mark guilty. Um, and, the, and the original, the original, the original eyewitness statement before the police realised Mark was in jail. The original description of the getaway driver was a stocky ginger man, which obviously so fitted know, Mark. When they realised he was in jail, that changed. Are you telling me you know who the getaway driver was there, but he was never prosecuted? No, he was prosecuted. He Sorry, was prosecuted. He never got convicted. Court, but he got, never got convicted. But no, he was, he was the driver no. there. Yes, he was. He was the driver, and he was at the scene. Yes, and he and got away with it. They found him not guilty. And are you in contact with him? No. Right. So, who's telling you that he was 
at the scene and was the getaway driver. Well, he's, he's again, he's Marcel, and Corlock's proved he was. Right. And what, did, what does Tony and um, Wayne yeah, there's, say? Well, there's a statement saying that, 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 that the other person was there. The one that got away with it was there. Yes. Well, it is very interesting. And I think there's, it's one of those cases that, um, you know, for, as an investigator, kind of like makes the hairs stick up the back of my neck and think, do you know what? I just want to find out a little bit more. Um, so yes. let's, let's talk, let's talk offline. Let's have a chat and let's see kind of you know, okay. where it is. I do think it's fascinating and you know, rightly so if, if Mark Osborne should not be in jail because he isn't responsible and he hasn't got any involvement as a joint enterprise, then he should be freed. He should be freed. And, and the criminal yes. justice system does work very slowly and unfortunately, once you are in jail, if you aren't guilty, it takes a long, a long and a hard time to yeah. get out. But we must remember that the large majority of people in jail overwhelmingly are in jail for the right reason. I still believe we have the best criminal justice system in the world when you compare it against other criminal justice systems. But sometimes they get it wrong. And when they get it wrong, yes. it's really important that those changes are made and that people are released from jail and given whatever due compensation that is deserving of them. Thank you so much for your time. I wish you well. We'll stay thank in touch, you. Julie, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was this week's Talking True Cases, a fascinating insight, really, into a case of Mark Osborne. I... I'm still on the fence, but actually I want to see some some of the case files. I want to see the evidence that shows me one way or the other where the prosecution's case was built. Because obviously I've heard Judy's account, and Judy's account is very, very convincing. It's very persuasive in terms of the evidence that she says that was put forward. And, of course, the Crown and the jury decided otherwise. They felt that Mark Osborne was part of the joint enterprise and as a result of that is serving a murder sentence but she now has new evidence and I think you'll heard from the first time today she was very cagey she obviously didn't want to talk about it rightfully so but she did and we've now heard from her that there is a new companion piece of evidence that has come from one of the two individuals who are accused of murdering Mark Trednick. And it is either Tony, Mark's brother, or Wayne Collins, who have now come forward and said that Mark Osborne had nothing to do with the murder. And also, very significantly, you heard at the end there, that there is a another individual, in fact, an individual who was the driver on that night, who was prosecuted, but found not guilty. It seems to me that there is a lot more evidence that potentially is, is about to come out. And, and if that stands up to scrutiny, it's right that Mark Osborne, if he wasn't involved in any capacity at all, is released. So follow us, keep an eye on this story, because it's certainly not going away, and I will continue to have a look at it, and I want to get hold of some of those case files to find out exactly what has taken place. I wish them well, and as I keep saying, if Mark Osborne is innocent and not responsible for the murder, then he should be released. 
Well, that's the end of another week of Talking True Cases. You've heard an update in relation to Nicola Bully, a fascinating case that can still continues to dominate the media headlines and one of interest to our followers. In particular, we followed this right from the very beginning and we'll continue to follow it all the way through to the inquest. And in fact, you know, make a note of that date for the inquest. We will be up there and we will be looking to cover the case ourselves from the court as that inquest unfolds and of course as you hear some of that evidence in relation to the uh, the the whole background really in relation to Nicola's disappearance and how she ended up in the water so that's an inquest for Nicola Bully on the 26th of June we will be there with new news quest covering this case it has interest you and I think it's right as a news platform that we bring you the up-to-date impartial but properly evidenced information. Thank you and look after yourselves for the rest of the week.